This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, compassion fatigue and the many other stresses that raise the risk of suicide among veterinarians. Our hand, you know, pushing that plunger and ending that life, it caused a great deal of distress. The stressful world of veterinarians. Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show. Here's a preview of what they're covering on Viewpoints this week. This week on Viewpoints. A lot of them were really scared being pregnant behind bars, not knowing what kind of medical care they were going to receive. A look at the health care provided to expectant mothers in America's jails and prisons. Then... We know that children with autism would benefit tremendously from a very intensive set of services, primarily applied behavioral analysis. A look at the state of education for students with autism in America. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, iTunes and Stitcher. Our pets are members of the family, and for some of us, our veterinarian is more important than our family doctor. Even among those who don't have pets, veterinarians have a reputation as among the most compassionate of professionals. But compassion and other stresses have their price. A new report from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention finds that suicide among veterinarians has become an epidemic. Any one individual may live their whole life without knowing about a veterinarian who's committed suicide. However, it's something where the actual numbers at the moment are approximately two times the rate for males compared to the national average and three and a half times the rate for females. And it's something where in a very short period of time in my local area, we went from no one having known about the issue to having three veterinarians who suicided in a period of 18 months. That's Dr. Jason Schweitzer, a veterinarian in Thousand Oaks, California, and a board member of Not One More Vet, an organization dealing with suicide and mental health concerns among veterinarians. Specifically, it's something that's a community-by-community community issue, but yet we need to be fighting on the national stage because this really is coming to such a high number at one point in 2016 in one week four veterinarians were lost to suicide at that rate any single veterinary school would essentially be wiped off the map for their entire graduating population with stigma people tend to not talk about it tend to just sweep it under the rug and very often without broader knowledge about mental health and suicide you think it's an individual problem rather than a systemic problem. Dr. Debbie Stowen has studied the issue of veterinarian suicide. She's director of veterinary affairs for LifeLearn Animal Health. People tend to think of it as an individual issue. You know, this is one individual who wasn't able to cope very well and therefore chose, you know, this as a solution or so. So when a suicide was happening to Dr. Jones over here and Dr. Smith over here and someone else over here, no one, I think, was connecting the dots and saying, maybe there's something in common between these different veterinarians that are ending their lives. Tracking backwards, Stowen says the epidemic of vet suicide has been increasing since about 1979. But professionals have really been aware of it only in the last 10 years. And among the public, Schweitzer says it's still flying under the radar. 
So many people when you're growing up have that ideal of, I want to become a veterinarian. I want to work with puppies and kittens all day. And they get to see the glamorous side of it, the front facing side, which is amazing. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love what I do, but there's a whole lot of other things behind the scenes that many people don't see. And the information that we found behind it were a population that's selected for being highly perfectionist, highly competitive, even more competitive than professional athletes by some of the research that's been done. And it's something that you take this population that has, in many cases, had extremely high GPAs, been competing for the top spots in the classes, and it's so hard to get into veterinary school that people oftentimes don't stop to go ahead and do the things that they need for the self-care behind it. And so now everyone just keeps seeing, oh, they want to be a vet. They want to do this. We give our all that we don't really stop to go think about ourselves. And many times we don't want to complain. We're a giver. We're highly empathetic as a population. And so we don't sit there and usually talk about our own problems. One of those problems, which is shared by many veterinarians, is financial. The average debt load that veterinary students are graduating with in the U.S. right now is about 143000 and about one in five veterinary students are graduating with debt loads of 200000 or more. And the starting salary for a veterinarian is about 67000 So when you're starting at that kind of a salary and you are trying to pay off that level of loan, that can be a really difficult process and time. Overall, the veterinary profession is not a really well-paid profession. That's just the way it is. And one factor that contributes to that for sure is the high overhead that we have in running a hospital. Clients oftentimes assume that veterinarians must be absolutely raking in the dough because of what the charges are. And so they assume that veterinarians must be very financially well off. And unfortunately, that just isn't the case. Financially, we're dealing with the exact same kinds of medicine, the same equipment, the same supplies that the human side does without the benefit of insurance paying for it on the front end. If veterinarians were in it for the money, there's many other professions we could go into. And it's something we really do it because we have that passion for taking care of animals, and that unfortunately creates its own stress. Often veterinarians suffer from compassion fatigue. Caring deeply for each animal you see adds up, especially when it's part of a vet's job to end the lives of some of them. As much as I love all of my patients, I can't count how many animals that I have euthanized in 10 years as a veterinarian so far. And then there's many more who we might actually want to consider euthanizing because they are very clearly suffering, but they're part of a family and the family may not be ready and trying to advocate for that patient, but yet still respect that family bond can definitely be a very difficult thing. We come to our work with our hearts and we care and we're there to make a difference. And so we grieve for the loss of our patients, but also for the families too that surround those patients. And the issue of euthanasia is very, very often not black and white. One factor is the cost of veterinary care that we make a certain diagnosis in a patient and we say, okay, this is the care that we can offer and we can make things better and this is the associated cost, but sometimes people can't afford that and then they'll, out of necessity, have to elect to euthanasia. And then there are situations of behavioral problems in animals. And so for these other external reasons, we need to end the lives of those animals. And when it's our hand pushing that plunger and ending that life, it can cause a great deal of distress. 
euthanasia plays into the risk for veterinarians in other ways as well. Schweitzer says the tools for suicide are readily at hand, and a vet's training also plays a role. We are trained that euthanasia is a reasonable consideration for endless suffering. And when we're looking at that for patients day in and day out, especially in clinical practice, we see a patient who's suffering that we cannot bring relief to, euthanasia becomes very reasonable. And we're trained to be okay with that and to be comfortable with that. So it doesn't become a very far logical step to think about suicide when you're struggling and when you have mental health concerns and you may be suffering from depression and other issues that the step to suicide doesn't become as far as it may be for someone else. Stowen says female veterinarians who make up more than 60% of the field are especially at risk for compassion fatigue and more likely to feel stress from the day-to-day grind of practice. Women veterinarians are experiencing significantly higher stress than their male counterparts in relation to all different kinds of frontline activities that happen day-to-day within practice, which relates to the hours being worked, being able to meet the expectations of their employers and their peers, their colleagues, in relation to meeting and exceeding client expectations, in relation to communication with clients and how much mentorship and support they get from their work colleagues. And in particular, I think there's three aspects of working within veterinary practice that you really have to deal with it, the stress of them really well. And female veterinarians are significantly more stressed in relation to unexpected outcomes, treatment failures, and even carrying out euthanasia, much more so than male veterinarians. But when a vet simply has to take a break, or when a treatment is expensive, or when it doesn't work, clients are often much more difficult than they'd ever be with their own doctor. For many clients, when they struggle in order to see something that they could treat, but financially they may not be able to, they oftentimes redirect that as frustration on the veterinarian themselves. And as a veterinarian, I can speak to how difficult that is when you're trying to help someone and a client starts to attack you. And many clients then will take that a step further into cyberbullying. They'll start to go ahead and post these reviews that are blown way out of proportion and other people without knowing the context will go ahead and start to attack the veterinarian too, assuming that there is an intent that there wasn't. The latest information that I had seen is one in five veterinarians will suffer from cyberbullying. It has been a factor that causes a huge level of stress for vets, and so much so that about one out of every two veterinarians that experiences cyberbullying has actually considered a career change. Those kinds of responses are leading the profession to finally do something about it. Some responses are to specific stresses, such as the flood of groundless negative reviews and social media criticism. Five years ago, the American Veterinary Medical Association actually started up a 24-7 cyberbullying hotline, a crisis line that veterinarians can call in anytime to be able to seek support. And along with that, they're also now offering crisis management resources and recognizing the level of distress that this is causing veterinarians. They're also offering wellness and peer assistance resources. Stowen and Schweitzer say the veterinary profession needs a comprehensive wellness approach to mental health across the board, long before it gets to the contemplation of suicide. That's that last step. 
that's when someone is absolutely suffering and sees no other way out. They feel like it's a endless suffering that they have. We really want to improve everyone's mental health so people aren't even getting to that point. We want to address wellness and self-care. We want to talk about what people need to do. We need to give people the knowledge to understand what's going on and what to do about it so they can care for themselves and they can care for others. Connecting veterinarians with each other will also help reduce the stigma of asking for mental health help, which often keeps it from ever happening. If you're not willing to reach out for help, especially with the current stigma that still surrounds mental health and suicide, then you really suffer from it alone. You don't realize how normal these things are. And that really is a focus of our group, Not One More Vet, to connect veterinarians to each other, to help to be able to deal with these things so that way we can lower the suicide rate. There's a phrase that we had created, and it's, you are not alone, we are all one. Schweitzer says there's even a role for us if we simply deliver a pat on the back. Those cards that I get from clients that say how much of an impact I've had for them, especially when their children have reached out to say how impactful my care for their animal was, those make a world of difference. The thank yous that I get from clients, those reaching out, those help me to know that I really am impactful because our brain has this natural negativity bias where it focuses on all of the problems, all of the things that are going wrong. So we don't always remember all the things that go right. You can learn more about Not One More Vet on their website, nomv.org. You can find out more about all of our guests through our website, radiohealthjournal.net. You can find archives of our programs there, and you can also hear our show by simply asking Alexa to play Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. People with type 2 diabetes have an increased risk for heart disease and stroke. But a new study shows that eating five servings of nuts per week can cut their cardiovascular disease risk by 17%. The study in the journal Circulation Research shows that tree nuts, such as walnuts, almonds, and cashews, are more beneficial for heart health than peanuts among people with diabetes. Dr. Prakash Didwania, a member of the American Heart Association's No Diabetes by Heart Science Advisory Committee, says the findings are encouraging. This adds to the evidence that simple daily dietary habits, such as eating tree nuts, can have a profound effect on coronary events, cardiac death, and total mortality in patients with diabetes. The study shows that even small amounts of nuts make a difference. Each additional weekly serving of nuts lowered cardiovascular disease risk by 3% and cardiovascular disease death by 6%. Experts say it seems it's never too late to improve diet and lifestyle after a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank accounts, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problem now by calling the experts at U.S. Tax Shield and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. U.S. Tax Shield offers a price protection guaranteed quote to get you protected today. U.S. Tax Shield is A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, so call now, 800-568-1647. That's 800-568-1647. U.S. Tax Shield, 800-568-1647. 
What are you going to do with your old car? You can try selling it, you could junk it, or you can donate it to Heritage for the Blind. Your car will be towed away for free and your donation is tax deductible. Just call 1-800-835-1478. Heritage for the Blind accepts cars, vans, trucks, and boats. It doesn't matter if your vehicle runs or not. It will be towed away for free and you'll be supporting those that need help. Heritage for the Blind is a nonprofit organization that helps the visually impaired live fuller lives. Call right now to donate your car, and as a special thank you, you'll receive a free three-day vacation voucher to over 50 locations. Call Heritage for the Blind right now. Call 1-800-835-1478. Donating is easy, and your vehicle is towed away for free. Plus, you'll get a free vacation voucher for donating. Call now, 1-800-835-1478. That's 1-800-835-1478. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.